Hey friends, I'm excited to bring you part five of a five-part series with our APA Jazz Competition finalists, a conversation with the jazz pianist and composer Isaiah J. Thompson. Let's get right to the music. Welcome back to Michael Loves Indie. That song is called The IT Department. It's an original composition by our guest today, Isaiah J. Thompson, off his amazing album, The Power of the Spirit, just released a few weeks ago. So check out The Power of the Spirit by Isaiah J. Thompson. This conversation, ugh, I don't even know what to say. I mean, you know, Isaiah is one of these people who you just, you're talking to somebody that you feel like you've known for years. He's a young guy, but he's got a real maturity and groundedness and charisma, I'll, I'll say, um, that you don't see very often, in addition to being just a brilliant artist, certainly one of our great jazz pianists and composers in America. I'll tell you a little bit about him. He's a, Isaiah is a jazz pianist, composer, and band leader from West Orange, New Jersey. Began studying at the Calderon School of Music as an early age. Um, had a long association with the program Jazz House Kids. Uh, got his bachelor's and master's from Juilliard. Um, has a long association with Wynton Marsalis, and we talk about this and has performed with major jazz luminaries, Ron Carter, John Pizzarelli, Christian McBride, and the list goes on and on. He was featured on the Golden Globe-nominated soundtrack for Motherless Brooklyn and in that film, and he is a Steinway artist. He put out an album in 2020, Isaiah J. Thompson Plays the Music of Buddy Montgomery, since then has put out multiple albums, including this great album, The Power of the Spirit. And if we had had more time, I mean, I could have done an hour just asking him about this album, The Power of the Spirit. It's amazing. So I hope you enjoy the conversation with Isaiah J. Thompson. Tickets are still available for the American Pianist Association Gala Finals on April the 22nd, so check out AmericanPianists.org if you're interested in that. And again, I hope you find this conversation as inspiring as I did with Isaiah J. Thompson. Isaiah J. Thompson, it's an honor. Thanks for taking the time today. No, thank you. Are thank you in, are you in New York today, Isaiah? I am. Yeah, I'm in the city. Okay, very good. Yeah. Um, so, uh, like thousands of people in Indianapolis, I'm so excited for uh, next week. Do you know yet when you're coming into uh, Indianapolis? Uh, I believe the 17th. Okay. Yes. Well, yeah. Well, it's such. It's like I can't. Ex- I can't express it. I don't know. For those of us who are fans, it's like the World Cup of jazz piano or something like that, you know. Right. Um, so, so um, we, we're really looking forward to it. What I, what I'd like to do, and thanks for making the time, is just give um, you know people who are following the competition from Indianapolis or from a distance um, just a little more of a of a you know look at who is Isaiah Thompson. Um, and I, I will before I get into my questions, I will highly highly recommend that people check out Isaiah J Thompson, A Day in the Life, and look on on uh, your various performances 
performances on YouTube, including American Pianist Association uh, performances. I think, you know, Isaiah, um, I know that you grew up in New Jersey, and I may start mm-hmm. the conversation there. You know, if if we had, if we if there was a documentary following Isaiah J. Thompson as a very, you know, young kid, um, what where where might we see kind of the seeds planted that would have predicted that you'd be an artist and that you'd pursue a, a life's work as a jazz musician? Sure, no, that's a great question, a great way of asking it too. Um, yeah, so I'm from uh, I'm from West Orange, New Jersey, and uh, I think um, when I think about my time and, and getting involved in music, I I think about how lucky I am, I was, uh, and am to be to have been in that environment. Um, there's a lot of musicians that work in New York that don't necessarily want to live there, so they live in New Jersey, these parts of New Jersey. So everywhere you look, there's you know Kenny Garrett, there's Christian McBride, there's Bill Charlotte, there's you know I mean and countless countless musicians and um, artists that you can look to. Um, and I I like to talk about how. I feel like my generation was really one of the first ones to to really come up through all the jazz programming. I feel like the, the programs really kind of uh, got it together right when I was at the age when you could actually be start to become involved in those things. So being involved in uh, NJPAC Jazz for Teens or Jazz House Kids or um, even the ones that are in different states, they would they would take uh, high school students and bring them other places. You know, like uh, Vail has Vail Jazz has a program and there's countless uh organizations that are promoting you know things like like apa um so i'm super fortunate when i think about that um jazz house kids uh was something that i did most weeks in montclair new jersey um that's where i saw i met a lot of kids my age you know high school students um and i started a little bit before high school but just seeing how dedicated they were to the music um and you know when we talk about esteban or or kaylin who are also a part of apa um, you know, that's where I met them and, and, you know, they are incredible musicians, you know, as yeah. well as everyone uh, playing in APA. Um, but just seeing, you know, the trajectory and seeing them from when we first started to now, it's, it's, you know, it's profound and hilarious at the same time. So do you, do you have other musicians in your family? Because, um, you know, you've, you've talked before about the influence of jazz house kids and, um, it, it kind of sparks a question of, so, um, did you know very young to go to your parents saying, I want to, th- this is what I want to do. Um, or, um, did, or, or was it a case, did you have musicians in your family saying, Oh, here's a, here's a path. Yeah, no. So my, um, no, I don't have any musicians, uh, in my family, my, my, uh, you know, I, my grandmother sang in oh. church, um, at times. Um, but other than that, we didn't have like instrumentalists or musicians really in the family. So, um, I just kind of, uh, it's funny how it happened. I think, um, you know, I was aware that, that, uh, Nat Adderley Jr. lived across the street. Uh, he, uh, arranged a lot of music for Luther Vandross. And obviously, once you understand that history, you know, his father, Matt Adderley Sr., his uncle, Cannonball Adderley, yeah. um, great jazz musicians. And so I think I was aware of that. And, um, through that, I was like, okay, this, you know, let me check this out. There's a piano and what is this jazz thing? I think that kind of sparked my interest. And that's, you know, my parents, they, they didn't really care what I did as long as I was doing something. I always talk about how they, they put me in all types of programs and I mean, singing lessons and tap dancing. And eventually I was fencing, I was on the swim team doing a bunch of things uh, that I wasn't particularly good at, <laughs> but, um, you know, they wanted to keep me out of, uh, 
you keep me out of trouble. You know, it, there's nothing more dangerous than a young person with nothing to do. So right. I kind of started to drop them off, <laughs> you know, one at a time. And uh, jazz stuck for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize the Nat Adderley Jr. connection. That's fascinating because I know he had, I mean, I, I know something about his his father's and then his, his, his uncle's generation. He, he definitely had a fascinating career. That's really interesting. Um, yeah. So to... Um, to really dive into something like jazz house kids, the level of talent that, you know, there, and certainly you, you've got, um, you, you know, from a young age, you were recognized as someone with amazing amount of talent. seems like it takes a tremendous amount of confidence, um, to, and, and to be, to be around other young peers who can play with that ability. Where, where, do, where do you think you developed that confidence when you were very young? Cause this, that's a level it's a level of focus to excel in something like, like uh, jazz or, or even in a program like jazz house kids that a lot of us can't really relate to, you know, it would be like having that tremendous amount of confidence uh, in, in athletics or something like that from a very young age. Where do you, where do you think that comes from mm. for you? I wouldn't, uh, you know, I, I, that's something I'm very much still working on. I wouldn't even say that um, I, I wouldn't take credit for my own confidence. I remember first starting at jazz house and, you didn't really have a choice. You know, I, I, you know, everyone was a little bit older than I was. And, you know, they put me in this band that, you know, I felt like I was a little uh, out of my element. Like maybe I wasn't prepared. Yeah. I, well, I, I'll say I definitely was not prepared to be in, but you know, when it's your time to sit down at the instrument, it's time to play, it's time to play. So it doesn't really matter whether you have the confidence or not. <laughs> it just wow. comes down to you, you know, the music teaches you that when you're playing, um, you you're in a group and you're in a group setting um everyone has to support one another so if you're not you know holding your own it could be detrimental to the to the rest of the band to everyone else so i think more so than me kind of acknowledging my own confidence or or, or saying it had to do with me it had more to do so with i had uh, uh i felt i had a responsibility to to play my part uh so that we could sound good yeah wow so it was the 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 accountability to uh, the accountability to the team the account is was a part of it for you completely yeah i mean when you think about d- different competitions that high school bands do and and things like that you know it, it's not even sometimes about the competition most times it's about performing your best and and you know trying to uplift um everyone else that's playing with you and the people in the audience that's what the music teaches you and that's definitely something that is ingrained and jazz musicians, because we, we generally start, you know, uh, where we play it for a long period of time. Um, and for me, I started playing it fairly young and everyone else in jazz house, a lot of them are playing it very young. So yeah. it's something that you take with you. I want to pull on this thread a little bit because, I, and I've said this to the finalists that I've had the occasion to meet and interview, you know, it's, it's five distinct artists and you all are very different. Like, I think those of us who've been following the, following the competition, if you gave us the blindfold test, we could say, that's Isaiah J. Thompson, you know, that's Esteban Castro, et cetera, et cetera, which is really cool. But you um, convey a real knowledge and reverence for the greats, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. like it's, it's, it's a palpable thing uh, with Mm -hmm. you Um, and a humility too. I mean that as a compliment, you know, and, and, you know, you were kind enough to do this um, event with a hundred, you know, 150 business leaders in Indianapolis about the, about APA and about a little bit about your life. Um, that, that, that reverence, you know, for the history, is that, is that something that is rooted that you got from, you know, family members or other influences in your life? Where do you, where did, where does that come from? 
Sure. I think it started, I mean, I think it started from the programming because, you know, they have theory classes, they have history classes, they have listening classes, they have, you know, all the, you know, obviously they have the playing. Um, and so you have to learn, you know, what's going on. Uh, who Whose music are you playing? Uh, who was in the band at that time? Um, and, you know, half the time, because we were super lucky, we had great faculty members, you know, the, the our faculty member would have played with whoever wrote the piece, you know, yeah. if you're playing you know, Art Blakey's music, whoever's class you're in, or you're playing Wayne Short's music, Bobby Tim and Cedar Walton, whoever it is, someone who was teaching you that day said, you know, oh, I played with this person, this is how it went. And yeah. they could tell you. And so you get an honest, you know, depiction of how it actually was. And, you know, I think through Jazz House Kids, I got introduced to Jazz Lincoln Center and into the great Wynton Marsalis. And he has, he's such a historian and, and he has had an influence on so many of us uh, younger musicians. And, kind of having an understanding of yourself within the lineage is super important. Um, otherwise, you know, it, you'll, you'll think you, you created something that's already been done. Right. Yeah. So you have to have an understanding of where you sit yeah. uh, in it. And it, it helps me at least. I want to ask you a little bit more about the Wynton Marsalis relationship. Cause you've talked, you've talked about it before and it's well documented. If anybody's listening to this um, interview, you know, you can see Isaiah performing with Wynton um, on, on YouTube. We'll get into, I want to ask you about motherless Brooklyn film too. Uh, but, sure. but um, so Wynton, you know, he's, he's a, uh, he's such a huge figure, you know, for the mm-hmm. last 40 years um, at times controversial, you know, mm-hmm. um, and he's someone who seems like he could be both, you know, just from the persona, it seems like he's, he could be very nurturing, but he could also be very um, brutal too. You know, <laughs> what, 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 um, how, how did that relationship come about? Um, and uh, can you let us in on a little bit more of, of what that relationship is like today? Sure. Yeah. I, uh, I believe my first introduction to him was through uh, essentially Ellington, which is the high school, Composition that Jazz Lincoln Center puts on every year, and Jazz House Kids uh, was in it, I believe, in 2013 and 2014. So I think that's one of my kind of first introduction to him, learning about who he was. He's the artistic director of Jazz Lincoln Center. Um, and then I became involved with, um, they had their first, youth or- their first youth orchestra that they started. I was one of the first people um, in that, um, in their inaugural year. And then they, they had a summer camp for the first time. I can't remember what year that was. It might've been 2015 or so. So I just kind of started to be around a lot. Around Jazz Lincoln Center and they're so gracious to me. And, you know, they're such family now. Um, I feel like it was in a way, it wasn't on purpose, but it was hard to miss me. So I would just, yeah. you know, I'd run into him here and there and and keep on running into him. And, and so we kind of developed a relationship and he, you know, he really believes in musicians and when he sees them, um, he, he really tries to help him. And it's not just a story of me. I, you can talk to thousands of other musicians that will tell you, and I don't know where he finds the time. They can tell you, you know, I spent just as, the same amount of time that you have or, or, or even more, you know, with him. And I don't know how he finds the time, but he's wow. influenced so many people. Um, I guess the, the thing, if you, when I think of Wynton Marsalis, I think this guy must have just prodigious work ethic uh, oh, yeah. and to, yeah. to accomplish, you know, to, 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 run jazz at Lincoln center to do the kind of um, development of musicians that he does to do the kind of recording and touring that he does. What is that? I mean, is that accurate or are there other, there other qualities that come to mind? No, I mean, no, that's very accurate. I, you know, I think we use the term genius very loosely these days, but I, I, when I see him, I, that's, that is a true genius. Someone that 
or can write a symphony while watching the football game, you know, by hand. I mean, that's, <laughs> you know, uh, to see it up close um, and to have, you know, such a human, uh, like a, a humane thing about him also. It's not like talking to him is not like talking to a machine either. He's just, he's yeah. very human. Yeah. Um, and to, to see those things at the same time, that's really rare. Um, yeah. And it's really astounding. Yeah. What's it? Um, the question that comes to mind is because you're, you know, you're on this, this climb as a young person, you know, jazz house kids and enrolling in competitions, you go to Juilliard. What, what's, what was it like? How, how did you transition from learning other people's music and, and to developing your own singular style? And I realize that might be kind of a loaded question for any, any jazz musician, but what was that? What, what's that journey been like? No, it's a good question. Um, I, uh, it wasn't on purpose necessarily. Like, um, you know, I, I, as a pianist, you know, you've seen piano, piano has been the, the leader of bands and, but it also has such a long history of being sideman. So, uh, and you have to know how to do both. So I, I went in, especially as a young musician, it's important to be a sideman, to work with older musicians, to work with all types of musicians. So, uh, especially coming into Juilliard, I was like, okay, I would like to play with as many people as possible, be a sideman. And, and, I think for whatever reason, I found myself on certain, uh, you know, in certain opportunities, certain performances as the band leader, not even on, on purpose. So then it's up to you to then choose what you're going to play, how it's going to be played things. So I feel like that responsibility was put on me just mm -hmm. in, I found myself in situations where it was like, well, you have to present the band and you have to present yourself. So you figure it out quickly, <laughs> you know, and in some way, at least you figure out, um, you figure out that you have that responsibility and you know that you have to do the work. Now, actually figuring out who you are, I'm very much still in the process of that. Sure. Um, but uh, I think it definitely helped me to uh, to have those opportunities. Were there times coming into Juilliard under, and knowing you've got some of the best musicians in the world at that institution that were jarring for you? Or was it just, or is it, or is it just like going from, college athletics to the NBA, you know, or, you know, nah. what was that, you know, what, sure. what was, what was that, what was that like, uh, transition? Right. Well, no, that's a good question. That's actually a really good question. Um, because you know, it, it's, it's as, as a jazz musician, you have to, you can't see yourself only as a student. There's a certain point where you have to say, okay, I'm a professional musician. Yeah. You know, we always laugh about it. If you, you know, you just have to kind of decide it. No one's going to knight you into that. You just have to say, I'm a professional musician, right? And, you know, you could be a bad one, <laughs> but you're a professional musician, right? So you kind of have to make that distinction for yourself. I um, was extremely lucky that I had such an incredible grade. I mean, there was only maybe seven of us or so uh, in the jazz department. And everyone was astounding, like just unbelievable amount of talent. So we learned from each other. And yeah, it is jarring, uh, especially, you know, you come from different places, um, I think anyone, you know, we think about when you apply to schools, even if it's, you know, normal university, not a conservatory, you do, you're, you're known for doing this one thing at your school. When you get to that university, there's all these people that came from all different places that do what you do. So, uh, it learns you to not, it, it teaches you to not be in competition with these people and it, it teaches you humility and it even more so it teaches you to honor and respect those people for what they know and what they do. Yeah. Um, so that, that, that was really a great experience at, at school for me. Yeah. Um, there's so many names that, that 
that you've now, as a very young man, that you've now played with and performed with, jeez, um, oh, Ron Carter, Christian McBride, you named a lot of these folks, you know, Buster Williams. Uh, there, you talk about John Pizzarelli and that collaboration mm-hmm. in, in the Day of the Life video. Um, are you are you meeting and interacting with these luminaries sort of through through high school, and you're continuing to make connections through Juilliard? Yeah. Uh... It's funny because I can kind of I can track how they happened, uh, but if you were to just look at it, it seems random. But they kind of, yeah. you know, uh, some of them are, are I would consider them more mentors, and some of them yeah. I just had the opportunity to play with them, you know, one or a few times. Yeah. Um, and I just think about who I met and and how and how it happened. I think the music is very much a community. Yeah. So someone you know somebody or someone you know knows somebody. So. You know, sometimes when pe- people talk about these stories, they've heard that it sounds like magic. It is not always that way. Yeah. It's like you were in this room or somebody was in the room talking about you when they told you so-and-so, right? So uh, I definitely was fortunate and have been fortunate to meet, you know, some of these people and for them to to want me to to be there, you know, to play on these, these gigs or performances with them. Um, but I think uh, I owe it more to the community than to myself, uh, because, you know, there, there's there's so many people out here that play my instrument and play extremely, extremely well. You know, there's more than just the people in APA, yeah. you know? So sure. uh, when I think about the community and how many options someone can have when they, they choose someone to come play piano, I'm just grateful at any time I get, to, I get the opportunity to, to be up there. Question about your process and how it developed, because when people see you play and a lot of people listening to this will have, will have seen you before. It's like here, here's an artist who conveys a tremendous amount of emotion, but you've got, I'm not the first person to tell you this, um, incredible technical capabilities to, um, range. And, and it, I, I, I know from being a musician, not nearly on the level of our finalists, the amount of discipline, it must take an incredible amount of discipline and just getting after it every day is that is that something is that is that discipline something that developed when you were younger are you naturally someone um who's a pretty regimented person or how how has that unfolded sure yeah um i think uh practicing is first of all obviously it's necessary (laughs) i'll start with that um i think however it changes depending on what what you know what what part of life you're in you know, um, when, you know, when I was in, when I was first starting, I practiced all the time. Like it was, you know, but then, you know, sometimes when you're in school, you don't get to practice as much because now you have more homework or you, you have more rehearsals. So that's like a different kind of practice, right? Because now you have to be prepared to deal with kind of these different situations all the time. I feel like that's kind of what school does. It kind of puts you in these uncomfortable situations all the time. Right. And it's, and it's yeah. good practice. But then those situations can't prepare you necessarily for a gig. This is a different energy. When you get up on stage, that's a different sort of energy. And and I'm in this part of the life now where I've been fortunate to just be playing a lot because of people like John Pizzarelli or Wynton Marsalis or any of some of the people that we named Steve Teray, um, where there's lots of performances. And so I've been just practicing how to deal with that kind of energy. You can't practice in, in the practice room. Right. And, um, I, I try to be very, um, I try to be diligent, of course, but I also try to give myself, I try to be patient with myself 
if your practice doesn't look like how it looked like five years ago, because you're just in a different part of life. But you do have to figure out how it is an essential and crucial part of your playing and your life, because it has to exist somewhere in there. It just changes the way it looks. You, you come across as a person who's got a tremendous amount of empathy and generosity, I'll say. And you mentioned, this is kind of making sense now, because earlier in the conversation when you talked about feeling accountable to the group, you know, when you were in Jazz mm-hmm. House Kids and accountable. Um, and, and, and I know it's been written a million times, you know, the best musicians are also the best listeners. So, mm-hmm. so um, how, how are there things that come to mind in terms of how you, de- have you, how you've developed that quality, you know, that listening or even that, that empathy? Yeah, uh, that's a, that's a, that's a really good, uh, really great question. Um, I feel like, I've kind of always been a, a, a empathetic person, you know. Um, I think recently, just getting more involved with with my faith, I think I've become, I've gotten a greater sense of what grace can mean, uh, just personally, just for myself. So um, that's something that I work on most days now. Like how can I not be selfish? How can I be more gracious? Um, how can I be more giving? Um, how can I be patient in my speaking? Um, how can I listen better? And I think that it has influenced my playing. I, and, you know, um, I think, you know, when I'm dealing with it as a concept, uh, just playing as a concept, there's different concepts that you can practice. You can just practice, you know, okay, being patient, waiting for the phrase to end, things like that, because that's where the music really happens, right? But then when I, I'm away from the music, there's things that I, I feel like I can practice myself. When I, you know, and that, that comes to just how you are as a person, or like I was saying, whatever faith system you might follow or, or yeah. not. Uh, but for me personally, that's just something that I think about. Okay. Um, how, if I'm developing this way as a person, I, I try to be the same person on the stage that I am off. So how can I then interpret that and be myself when I'm playing? And so yeah. I, I, I can only hope that that's what comes across. That, that thought gives me chills. I'm not going to lie because this idea of, um, setting the ego aside in service of the music, you know, or in, in service of the bigger, yeah. the, the bigger divine thing, uh, regardless mm-hmm. of one's, you know, spiritual right. tradition. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a powerful, just that you've, that you are practicing that at a, at a very young age. That's a powerful idea. Sure. Yeah. Um, and that's not, and I always, I always tell people this to give uh, context. I, I grew up in church, but I didn't go for a long period of time. So, this is something that, you know, I, that has come back into my life only, you know, a number of years ago. So yeah. I have a different, maybe a bit of a different perspective um, and and a, a different kind of history with it. And it's been interesting for me to even watch how it has influenced my, uh, my playing. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a question. This is more of like this with the word on the street question. And if, and if I'm totally off base, I'm going to edit it out. But more than one person has said to me, you know, if Isaiah weren't a pianist, he'd probably be a drummer. Oh yeah, is that, I've said that. Is that right? You've said that. Yeah, okay. I okay. I didn't want to play the piano. Is that I right? <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't. My parents made me play the piano. I wanted to play the drum. I can remember it very distinctly. They went into the school, you know, music school. Yeah. What instrument would you like to play? I said drums, and my parents said no. <laughs> I remember it very wow. distinctly, and you know, uh, my my dad had a foster brother that played piano. Um, he felt like that kept him out of trouble, so. He wanted me to play, uh, they, they both wanted me to play piano. So 
I started playing piano. I didn't want to do it for much longer. I was kind of like done with it. And that's kind of around the time when I got introduced to jazz. And I think it kind of, it saved me in a way uh, uh, and allowed me to keep playing. Now, does that mean, do you, do, do you have a particular affinity to drummers as a result? I do. Yeah. Sometimes maybe too annoyingly. <laughs> so, you know, um, I, I really, I love drummers. I love their vibe. I love the way they act. I love their responsibility. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I, I love how I feel like they have a different connection. I won't say that they're more emotionally connected than the other instrumentalists. I can't say that for certain, but I think they're dealing with a certain emotional component of the music that because some other barriers are taken away. Not that they don't have their own adversities to overcome by playing that instrument, but not having to deal with, you know, harmonically, you know, they have to know what's going on harmonically, but to have to play it is very different than having to figure out the emotion of what's going on with the drums, the cymbals, how can they make something sound a certain way? Yeah. You know, I personally feel like I would, I would prefer to have that issue. <laughs> and sometimes in dealing with harmonically what's going on, uh at all times you know sometimes i can convey oh i'm thinking of a certain emotion but then i'm tying it to exactly what note you know they're tying it to a sound that they have to create which i'm not saying is easier it's just different and um you know i i definitely am am, am a bit jealous of drummers i, I would have loved to have been involved in that way in the music <laughs> are there um favorite just very top of mind are there are there drummers that us uh you know fans of jazz and apa should seek out that are that are inspiring to you who, who come to mind oh man yeah there's i mean there's so many um, billy higgins yeah uh you know r blakey um philly joe jones i mean especially when you start thinking about comping who can some of these great drummers you know in in, in these bands those are, i mean those are just a few names i think about roy haynes i mean yeah. who are really invested in in the music and the sound of it. Yeah. That was yeah. good. Great, great names. And a, and a couple names I need to listen to some more. I'm going to go back to the chronology. Um, you know, the, the, you got the 2018 Lincoln center emerging artist award, second place in the 2018 Thelonious Monk, which is now the Herbie Hancock Institute of jazz international piano competition. And I know there are others too. Um, uh, so, uh, uh, what, Take us back to 2018. It's hard to believe that was five years ago. So, what are you what are you experiencing that time as you're, you know, excelling in these competitions and growing as an artist? Oh, 2018 was the Filoni the Filoni Smoke competition, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, yeah, I'm definitely a different person than I was uh, in 2018. Um, especially if you're thinking about competitions, you know, I. And I've and I've and I've said this a, a few times, and it's not it's not a dig. It's competitions don't mean that much to me, as opposed to more. You know, I, I care more about in, institutions or programming that supports the music. Yeah, like APA supports music. They support jazz and they support music, and that's very easy for me to get behind. You know, um, I think in 2018, or, or you know, any time before, you know, a few years ago, I felt like these are things that I had control over. And I very much believe that I don't. I don't have control over how these things go. So my goal is always to support the music, the history of the music and what it means and how it can support not only jazz musicians, but the community and especially younger people who hear it. Yeah. Um, and that's just kind of how my viewpoint has changed over the years as I've uh, hopefully matured. Yeah. Well, okay, so that's a good transition because in this timeline as well, 
you get the opportunity to be in a feature film, Motherless Motherless Brooklyn, Mm -hmm. starring and directed by Edward Norton. And so it's almost everything you just said about sort of being of service, but then I'm going to make an assumption that, but when an opportunity emerges, sometimes you got to grab it. And so, and, and how, how did, and so you're, you're featured, um, as, as a pianist, um, in, Mm -hmm. in that film and that opportunity, if I'm not mistaken, came through Wynton Marsalis. Is that right? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Um, yeah, that was a really, uh, funny situation. Um, because I remember just like, Hey, do you want to, you know, be a part of this film and, or something. I, I actually didn't know that we were going to be in it. And originally, I think I thought, I thought we were only doing the soundtrack. So we did the soundtrack and then we were talking about, Oh yeah, you know, you're going to be in it. And I was like, what? <laughs> so it ended up being more than I, uh, than I thought. And that was an extraordinary experience dealing with a creative in a different medium. That's always really beautiful to deal with. Um, you know, of course we love each other. We love jazz musicians, but it's cool when you get to pair what you're doing with something else. So he's talking you know, Ed Norton was talking a very different way. You know, this is what he's trying to convey. And then we have the thing about what are we trying to do musically? And then he, you know, we're trying to communicate, uh, you know, through disciplines, through, you know, through two different uh, mediums in that way. So that was a really special experience. And then to be able to pr- promote the music, I know uh, a lot of people were able to really love that soundtrack. I, I think it, it, it came out really nice. So that was a uh, that was an amazing experience. It'll be another thing to plug. If you, if you're a fan listening to this, check out the film and check out the the soundtrack as well. Um, again, I'm, I'm just going through, I'm, I'm, I, I got a million questions for you that we won't get through here. You've, you've been generous with your time. Sure. But one of them is, you know, now I'm speaking as a provincially, as an Indianapolis resident, someone who's a champion of India, the city. Um, uh, you, you, you record an LP of tunes by Buddy Montgomery and this is this is really interesting. In some cases, I I kind of file it under. There are no coincidences because um, if you're if you're an Indianapolis resident, I think most people know who Wes Montgomery was. That he's from Indianapolis, but the Montgomery family, you know, he's from he's from a musical family. And and mm-hmm. I I've only come to appreciate Buddy Montgomery later in life. That he you know. And so like if you'd come up with an album of Isaiah J. Thompson plays McCoy Tyner or you know fill in the blank, you know Herbie Hancock, no one would have been surprised. And those are brilliant brilliant artists, you know. But but you 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 chose to feature um, the 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 songs of Buddy Montgomery from Indianapolis, and I'm gonna assume that you felt like that you were drawn to it because maybe he, you, you felt he was, he's underappreciated. Is that a fair assumption? Sure. I mean, I, you know, even more so I will say, yes, I agree with that. But also um, I felt like a, a special connection to his music. His, he has such a, um, a way of playing jazz music that's so influenced by R&B, you know, the church gospel, um, all these things, you know, funk even at, at times. However, you can clearly tell that it's jazz. Um, I think about people like Boris Silver yeah. or someone we mentioned before, yeah. Bobby Timmons. These people that write, Cedar Walton, they write in this way that you can hear other influences, but it's so clearly the music. And, you know, I grew up listening to R&B music and, and gospel music. That's what was played in the house, not really jazz. That's what my parents listened to. Yeah. So when I heard this, I was like, my first thing I remember telling somebody, how come I haven't heard of this person? You know, and, and especially knowing, you know, this is the brother of, of West Montgomery. You know, Mark Montgomery, Wes and Buddy Montgomery, you know, I mean, the whole family of, of, of people I'm not even mentioned. So um, when I heard him, you know, I, I, I felt a special connection to the way that he composed and the way that he played. And um, 
you know, I, I, it just made me think about there must be so many kind of lost gems and so many people that are in these communities that we don't always talk about. Yeah. And so sometimes we have a certain idea of what intelligence, sophistication or talent looks like based on the names that we know. But for someone to show you, hey, there's this person that's in this community that was just as great as some of these people that you've been talking about for many years. Um, and I think um, that was just kind of a starting point for my philosophy. And just it's important to to, to really honor the the maestros of, 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 of these different communities. It's a blessing, you know, and to us in Indianapolis to help us appreciate, you know, someone who's from our own city. Um, who mm-hmm. uh, honestly sometimes gets over overlooked, you know, by by his um, by his uh, brother Wes. Um, now you've continued to compose your own music. Um, uh, what um, tell us about a bit about is that? Did you always have? Were you always writing like from a very young age, or is that um, composing your own song something that developed later? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I first started like writing some things. Not even even related to jazz you know when i first started playing just the instrument uh piano um that were pretty terrible (laughs) and um i just uh i remember you know later on like i was saying just being put in front of audiences and being told okay you're the band leader have something to play and so i was like okay well you know maybe i can write some things and you know uh this this recording that i just had come out uh title power of the spirit i mean that it's kind of my first recording where I feel like it's really it's a kind of unfiltered version of myself um, where you know they're all original compositions and these are things that I've been working on since I first started writing I would really say for really first started writing which I would say around 2015 or something like that was when I really started to say okay I think this is somewhat what I'm trying to do and and I would still be fixing these songs if I could but you know at some point you have to present them or you have to record them so um I think that's kind of around when I first started school, I think that's when I started to figure out kind of what I wanted to sound like. And it was, you know, just the beginning of me chasing after myself and chasing after the music um, and chasing after the music. So yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that was really my experience. Yeah. Do you Sorry about that. No, you're <laughs> fine. No. And I can, I can edit anything. Um, do you, do you, do you compose them on piano and then they're ready to go? Do you test them out? I know you've got very, you know, musical roommates that you've played and recorded with as well. Do you, do yeah. you, do you, uh, do you test them out and help, you know, have other people come in and, and help you build out an arrangement? How does that process work typically? Yeah. So I, I mean, I think about some of the great composers, they always said that they, they wrote with people in mind, you know? So, um, you know, I, I love playing quartet. I love playing quartet setting cause I like to accompany, I like to write melodies and and hear someone else playing them and accompany those melodies and things like that. Um, And so, you know, generally I write for that, that kind of ensemble setting. Um, I I just feel like there's there's room for more interaction. So a question I ask all the finalists is about this competition. Um, Mm -hmm. um, Was that, do you, do you remember, was there a, was, was it a, was there a decision process to, you know, submit um, a recording for, for APA? Did you know, did you, were you aware of APA beforehand? (laughs) Yeah. uh, Yeah. I was aware of APA, I think, because I saw the year uh, that Sullivan Fortner, uh, he won and, and just, you know, I remember watching that and I was fairly, I was, yeah, obviously younger and just seeing all the, the people that were in it, I mean, it was just amazing. Um, and, 
I'm trying to, it's funny, there's a, there's a very truthful answer and then there's, there's another answer. I'm going to give you the, the honest truth about Please. my my application process was that I don't think I was going to do it. I um, Because I'm very, like I said, I'm not a competitive person. That's just not really how yeah. I, I I operate, you know. And um, I think, uh, you know, I have my, my parents and my fiance and their family that, that said, well, why not? Why don't you just apply and then don't think about it. And, you know, I was kind of in the middle of traveling and at the time. And so I said, you know, okay. So I took the time and I, and I applied and I didn't think about it. And then I remember, Hey, you've been, you know, I remember that moment. It's wow. You know, and, and, you know, and then soon after figuring out, you know, who else was in it, I think more so than anything, it's been a a great way to, to reconnect with some people, you know, obviously just two of the uh, people in APA that were in jazz house and some people I'd met before, you know, we've all, I knew all of them before being in this thing. So um, it's been a great way to reconnect and and to hear everybody. But that's, yeah, that's that's the honest truth. Do you remember where you were when you got the call or the notification? I do because I was in Israel. (laughs) I remember at the time. Yeah, I remember I was in Tel Aviv. At the time, I remember so I getting you that gotta call. Tell, you got to tell us a little bit more about the circumstances that got you to yeah. Israel. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, so there's a, there was a concert series uh, down uh, down in Israel and, um, uh, or over in Israel. Yeah. And um, I just remember, yeah, I was, in, I was in the hotel room and, you know, remember trying to remember getting a call and just trying to remember like, oh, yeah, what's my plan? And accepting phone calls when you're not in the U.S., you know? And yeah. I remember just thinking maybe it was spam because I, I didn't expect to get a call while I was there. It was just not kind of in my consciousness at the moment. And I remember getting a, uh, I think I didn't pick up the first time and I they left me a voicemail and I was like, Oh, so I called back and they told me, and I just remember, <laughs> you know, just kind of being myself in, in, in awe in the source. So that, that was a funny moment. Wow. Did, did you get a little time <laughs> while you were there to go to Jerusalem or other places too? Yeah, we will. Man, we were we were really busy. We were really busy. I wish I don't think. Yeah, we didn't get a chance to go to Jerusalem, but um, we I can't remember where we visited. We might have stopped by, but we were playing in a lot of different uh, a lot of different parts. Yeah, it's I'm not super well traveled, but I got the chance to go there five years ago, and it's it's surreal, isn't it? I mean, it is. Yeah, it really yeah, is. Yeah, it's really special. Um, uh, again, I've got a, I've got you know a thousand more questions that I won't I won't ask, but um, this this is this is really this is, it's it's really great just to hear more about your life and kind of get um, a little more insight into who is Isaiah J Thompson. I do want to ask I, again. I ask every finalist this, sure. you know, in terms of what you're you know um, what you read or what you listen to or what you know whether it's musical or not. Are there things that that come to mind that have been that have been helpful to you, even if it's just uh, you know, escapist, you know, entertainment. Sure. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> you know, if I'm being, uh, if, you know, if, yeah, if I'm trying to escape a little bit, you know, I'm definitely a, a big geek when it comes to, I've always been a big geek with comics and, and things like that. So those movies and things, even before all these started coming out, I was always in, into that as a, as a kid. So that's definitely a good way <laughs> for yeah. me to escape. Um, in that way, you know, if I'm being uh, more serious and I've, if I'm in town, I, Johnson and I, we, we always, she, she works at our, at our church. We, we go there and that's another way, uh, uh, to, uh, to kind of deal with something greater than yourself. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, depending on uh, the way I'm feeling, you know, I try to balance those things. There's the music, you know, there's the escape thing, there's the other thing, you know? Yeah. So, uh, those are the ways that I try to occupy uh, my time. Do you still, do you still, 
still taking in a lot of different kind of music? Like, have you stayed? Um, do you continue to listen to, you know, R&B and gospel? And so, you know, names like Robert Glasper and the late Roy Hargrove and others come to mind, you know, who, you know, um, have I think have really built bridges across all the different different types of music. Do you, do you still um, find yourself listening to other kinds of music for inspiration? Sure, yeah. No, I mean, I love, I mean, I'll always love the great R&B uh, recordings and, and the gospel recordings. Um, I mean, those are really special. You know, I wasn't even really hip to contemporary uh, Christian music. That's something that recently yeah. people have put me onto. I wasn't even, I kind of had a very Baptist background. So we listened to a certain type of music. So that has something, been something that people have turned me on to recently. So That's I've great. been checking that out. Um, and uh, yeah, those have been all really great for me, um, especially lyrically to, to be involved in that. Definitely. I hope so. Uh, influences my playing. Do you think there's an album of Isaiah J. Thompson original compositions in our future? Oh, for sure. So yeah, the power of the spirit, that's just the first one. There's going to, there's definitely going to be some more soon. Okay, great. Yeah. Well, um, again, you've been incredibly kind that this, this just, I think is going to add to a lot of people's excitement about seeing you in different venues. And I can't believe it's, you know, 10 days, 10 days away, less, less than that in Indianapolis. So, um, Isaiah, um, is there anything anything else that anything else that we didn't we didn't talk about that you know if you if you got APA fans either who'll be there in person or be there virtually that you'd want them to to know? Sure. Uh, do I have anything else for you? I feel like you covered it. To be honest, okay. I feel like you covered it. It's such yeah. a great. I mean, it, and you know, I, I'm gonna. I'm going to go, I'm going to go back to something you said earlier about the nature of, of competition. Course. Cause I think this is something we all struggle with because you're all great artists and it's like, I, none of us would ever want to be the judges, but my sense following this thing for the, this competition for the last 15 years is you win when you're nominated, because if you, you know, if you look at those, those relationships continue and all of the finalists mm-hmm. have been incredibly successful and each of them in their own unique ways, you know, and I think that's, it, it, it's a really cool thing because everybody who turns up for the club finals and the gala finals, we're rooting for everybody, you know? So I hope you, right. I hope you feel that, you know, we, it, the, you, you're, you're definitely blessing us, um, with, you know, um, this, this, you know, your own unique vision, but I will say when you play just this, the, the emotion and that really sense of generosity, it, it's very palpable. So, um, we're just, we're, we're just, uh, so, so appreciate that you're taking the time, uh, to be a part of this. Thank you. And thanks for having me. That's I great. appreciate it. That's great. Um, Isaiah J. Thompson, thanks a lot. We cannot wait for next week. Thank you for taking a little bit of time. Of course. I'll see you soon.